Uh, let's go to Galatians chapter 3 tonight, okay? Galatians chapter 3, and we'll be in verses, uh, mainly we'll be in verses 6 through 9, but we'll start in verse 1 read down through that in just a moment. But as you come here, again, we need to keep in mind, I want to try to always remind us of the context of Scripture that we're studying. It's good to keep that in mind. So keep in mind the bird's eye view of this book of the Bible. Understand, at this time, Paul is addressing the churches that were in the region of Galatia. There was multiple churches here in this region, therefore multiple believers, multiple Christians. But Paul is writing to these churches and to these believers for this main reason. There's false teachers called Judaizers that have begun to creep in to these churches and among the fellowship of these believers, okay? And what these Judaizers, these false teachers were doing, were teaching a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And these Judaizers were telling them, basically what they were doing was adding rituals and rules to the gospel. And according to these Judaizers, all right, according to these false teachers, if you're not following these rituals and following these rules, then there's no possible way you can truly be born again. So they're adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. So in teaching this, in teaching this false teaching, this false gospel, as Paul put it, another gospel, these false teachers were perverting the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and in turn causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of these new believers in the churches of Galatia. So Paul understands and knows all this is going on. So he sits down to write this little book of Galatians. He does so lovingly, passionately, very sternly and declares and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this book's all about, all right? The true gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's by grace, through faith, in the finished work of Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's what Paul's getting at, all right? That's the overall gist of this book of the Bible. But let's continue studying it verse by verse and chapter by chapter together, all right? Now, as we come back to chapter 3 this evening, keep in mind we find some of the strongest uh, verbiage of the writing of Paul to these, to these Galatian believers. We find some very pointed language that he uses. And though Paul is being very stern in his speech to these and his writing to these believers, please know he's not being demeaning. He's not being mean. He's not being hostile or rude to them. After all, it's Paul who hazarded his own life just to get them the gospels. That tells me he has great concern and care and love for these people. And also when it comes to this stern uh, letter in many aspects, again, that comes from a place of love and care. But he had to be stern. You know why? Because Paul in this moment knew that the gospel was at stake and the souls of the people, of these believers, even were in the balance. And he knew that the flock of God was being preyed upon. So Paul knew it was time to go to war. And since these others, his opponents, these Judaizers, false teachers, are going to use every means possible to try to capture the hearts and minds of the Galatian believers, then Paul knew he cannot get into this fight half-heartedly. He had to go to war, all right? So that's what Paul is doing. And so as Paul does that, in chapter 3, Paul begins an interrogation, if you will, and with these Galatian believers. But he, he brings several arguments, several proofs to these believers that, again, salvation is by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's interrogating them. He's bringing arguments to them to this fact of grace through faith in the Lord. Now, the first argument we looked at last time was this one in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and it was an argument that was a personal argument. 
He was basically asking him personal questions. Uh, personal questions ne- dealing with, number one, their salvation. He said, how'd you get saved? By faith or by works? And of course, the rhetorical, it's a rhetorical question. And it demanded, well, we were saved by faith. He asked them a question of their sanctification, meaning he said this in verse number three, are you made perfect by the flesh? And of course, it's a rhetorical question. Now, perfect here is not sinless, but rather growing, maturing, becoming more like Jesus. All right, that's what that means. He said, you're getting more like Christ by the things you're doing or the things you have done, by your own efforts, by your own flesh, or is it by faith, trusting Jesus and obeying the word of God? Is it by faith? Of course, again, the answer has to be it's by faith. But he asks another personal question. He says, what about your suffering? Did you suffer for Christ in vain? Now, at this time, we know Paul suffered a lot, okay? He suffered a lot of persecution for the gospel's sake. We understand this. And though it doesn't specifically say that the Galatian believers uh, suffered specific uh, different types of persecution, we, we believe, we have the tendency to believe that they did suffer. They suffered some form of persecution after Paul left, even probably from the hand of these Judaizers. But he asked me, he said, did you suffer because you were following the law? Or did you suffer because you were doing this and that? Or, or are you suffering because your faith in Christ? Again, rhetorical question. They had to answer, well, it's because we're trusting Jesus. And then he asked this personal question. And this argument, the same, same argument. He said, what about the signs? The miracles that he had done at the hand, the miracles that were done at the hand of the Apostle Paul as he ministered in this area of Galatia. Uh, were these, these come about, the, the healing of these people that they saw and other things that happened, did that come about by those individuals keeping the law or was it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Again, rhetorical question. The answer is by faith. It's the Lord. So he's using these arguments, trying to point to the fact that, listen, this is all by faith in Christ and not of the works of the law, the proof he's trying to point out. It's all about Jesus. So, again, as we come to chapter 3, Paul continues his arguments. He continues his interrogation, but he goes from a personal argument to this one, more of a scriptural argument. He brings in scripture to argue his point that it's by faith and not of works. He brings in this argument, all right? And I want you to know that this argument, the scripture argument, is far superior than any personal argument. You know why? Because scripture is superior to experiences. Amen, okay? Listen, I like what Wearsby said about this. He said, we never judge the scriptures by our experience. Rather, we test our experience by the word of God. And I say amen to that. And so that's exactly what Paul is doing. Yes, he pointed out some and questioned them about their personal experience with the Lord, but now he's questioning them and bringing it in the scripture argument about it all as well. So let's look at it, okay? Galatians chapter 3 and look at verse number, let's look at verse number 6 and uh, go down through verse number 9, all right? Even as Abraham believed God, it was, account, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So he brings in the scriptural argument, all right? And the first, first part of this scriptural argument is this. Number one, Paul uses... Abraham. He uses Abraham as a principle to follow. As Abraham as a principle to follow. Now, 
As you read in this text and as you read on down, really, on down throughout the chapter, it can cause you, maybe cause you, I know you guys are a lot smarter than me, all right, but it might cause you to get a little cross-eyed because it does me, okay? As I read this, you can get a little cross-eyed. But everything Paul is saying here, especially when he's bringing up Abraham, it would make perfect sense, perfect sense, especially to the Jewish mind. And especially to those who would be studying to follow the Jewish religion. Uh, we would call those proselytes, all right? It would, it would, it would, everything makes sense, he's saying, but Abraham makes sense to them because Paul brings in this main character, character that is dearly beloved by the Jewish people, dearly beloved by the Hebrews. He brings in this main character in this text as he brings up a scriptural argument, and that man is Abraham. He is important to the Jews because, remember, it would be Abraham that would be the father of the Hebrew nation. So Abraham was held in high esteem by the Jews at this time. And by the way, still is today. Still is today. But Paul, being a Jewish man himself, he knows this. Understand, he's fully aware, all right? He knows this truth. He knows this fact. He knows how important Abraham is to any Jew, especially religious Jews. And he's going to use this as an advantage yet again to prove that salvation is by grace through faith. So Paul picks up his pen, goes beyond Moses and the law, points back to the patriarch Abraham, points back to the Old Testament, points these Galatian believers to, listen, a principle that we can find and a principle that we can follow, and a principle that we can apply into our lives, and that principle is found from the life of Abraham. Look at it with me again in verse number 6 and 7, and I hope you pick up on it. Look at verse number 6. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, did you catch the principle Paul's trying to paint and point out to these Galatian believers and yes I believe even to these Judaizers all right those that are of the circumcision come from Jerusalem did you point did you see the the point he's trying to make about this principle from from Abraham if not let me tell you here's the principle that he's trying to point out that the patriarch Abraham listen he believed God he trusted the Lord he had faith in what God said, he trusted the Lord. The principle we find here, the principle we find in faithful Abraham is this, is faith in the Lord. That's what he's trying to get these believers to understand. So the point that Paul is trying to make is this. Paul knows and understands these Judaizers were proud of being Abraham's seed. Uh, they were proud of being Jewish. They were proud of being descendants from Abraham. We get a glimpse of that, of that pride in their heritage from John chapter 8 and verse 33 through 39. You can read that for yourself. But let, let me read just a couple of verses that point out that, that fact, that they were proud of their heritage, okay? The Bible says in John 8, 33, when the Pharisees said this to Jesus, they answered him, we be, here it is, Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And then later on, Jesus, uh, they would answer Jesus again. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. 
I understand they were very proud of their heritage. They were very proud of who, who they were. And no doubt these Judaizers and others who have come down to the air of Galatia and have, and have tried to infiltrate the fellowship of these believers to teach them another gospel, no doubt these individuals were proud of their heritage. Paul appeals to that then. He appeals to their heritage. He appeals to the patriarch and really about the patriarch that these individuals would love. And really, as you look at it and think about it, they're borderline worship, borderline worship Abraham. But Paul says, he says this, how then was, was really Abraham saved? How was Abraham a righteous man? You know, the man you love, the man that you, you come from, your heritage, Right? How was he saved? How to become a righteous man? And of course, if they knew their Bible at all, if they read their Bible at all, if they read the Old Testament scriptures at all, especially when it came to Abraham, their answer would have to be this. And Paul would quote it. It had to be Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And he, that's Abraham, and he believed in the Lord, and he, that's God, counted it to him for righteousness. So to answer to how Abraham was saved and made a righteous man, the answer would be this, Abraham believed God. Abraham trusted the Lord. He had faith in God, put his confidence in God. And this faith in God, listen, is what made him righteous. As the Bible says, accounted to him for righteousness. That's how he got saved. Now, it's interesting to me as I'm I like doing word studies, all right? But as you study this word here, you take the word accounted in Galatians 3, 8, and you compare it to the word counted in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It means the same as the word in Romans chapter 4, verse 22 through 25, when you find this word. And the Bible says, and therefore it was imputed, that word, imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. All those, those words mean the same thing as imputed. Now imputed here, it means to put to one's account. To put to one's account. Now, when a sinner trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior, God's righteousness is taken and put to that sinner's account. And that sinner, that sinner's sin rather, is no longer under that same old account of judgment and wrath of God. Therefore, therefore, that record that once deserved judgment and wrath and hell, that is always clean before God. Always clean. And that saved believer can never be brought into judgment for his sins ever again. Why? Because he believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Not your righteousness, not the righteousness that would come by the law, but God's righteousness. So how did Abraham get that righteousness? The Abraham they loved so much that they would borderline, really borderline worship. How did he get that? Look at it again. Verse, verse number six. Even as Abraham believed God, his belief, his faith, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So, as we're looking at this text here and bring the patriarch Abraham into the argument, Paul is saying salvation, listen, salvation is not because of your heritage. Salvation doesn't matter. It doesn't, come, doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your earthly father is. Salvation is not inherited just because you have godly parents. 
I like what one person said. Uh, one person said this, God has no grandchildren, <laughs> only children, all right? I like that. So we're not saved just because of our relation uh, to our earthly parents, all right? You may have some great parents, they, they godly parents, godly grandparents, but you're not saved because of them. We're not saved because of them. These individuals here, they were not saved just because it came from the heritage of Abraham. They're not saved that way. Even John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 9, God's able to have these stones to raise up children to Abraham. He said, that don't make no difference. doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your heritage. You're not saved that way. No, you're saved this way. You're saved by faith. You're saved by faith. The same with Abraham. He was saved by faith. And that's the principle. By grace, through faith alone, in the Lord, believe in God. This is how the Old Testament folks were saved, and this is how the New Testament folks are saved today as well. By grace, through faith. So Paul, as he continued defending the gospel, defending how we're truly born again and saved, he brings up the principle of Abraham. Then he uses this. Not only does he use that from Scripture and pointing out different Old Testament Scriptures, as a scriptural argument, he uses this in verse number 8 and 9. Paul uses the preaching from the past. Now, look at verse number 8. The Bible says this. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the, before the gospel under Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now, <clears throat> at this moment, it would seem that one of the arguments the Judaizers would probably bring up, all right, is this, that the preaching of Paul, that this notion of salvation by grace through faith, that concept is a new one. Maybe that's what they're bringing up as argument. And that's why Paul's going all the way back to Abraham even before. Maybe they're bringing up that, well, you know, this concept that Paul's preaching, it's a new one. It's a new way. And the, by the way, the law, it's been around for well, much longer, for thousands of years. And therefore, since it's been around longer and it's older, surely it's right. Maybe that was their argument. The Judaizers would use this argument, try to convince the Gentile believers that their way, this new gospel, this another gospel, is better. So Paul... Armed with that understanding and armed with the assurance of Scripture said this in verse number 8 again at the very, very end of it says this, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Paul took that argument. What did he do? He went back to Scripture. Went back to Scripture. Paul knew something that we need to understand as well, and that is this. It was always God's intention that all nations, Jewish, Gentile alike, all right, all nations, all families, all tribes would come to the spiritual blessing just as Abraham did of justified by faith. And here it is. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Listen to this. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Understand it's always God's intent that everyone would come to him. He proclaimed this truth to Abraham thousands of years ago, even before Paul wrote this letter. Let me, let me, let me go to the verse that Paul is getting at in Genesis chapter 12, all right? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. 
and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So take note of that last phrase in Galatians, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verse number 3. That last phrase, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now this last phrase here in Genesis chapter 12 is not speaking of the Jewish nation as as a whole necessarily, all right? Rather, I believe it is speaking of an individual. And I believe he is speaking, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ because it would be from the Jewish line that our Savior would be born. He would come from the Jewish line. He would descend from the Jewish line. And And where did the Jewish line descend from? Starts with the A and ends with a Abraham. Abraham, right? That's right. Remember, he's the father of Hebrew nation. But in these shall all nations, all families, be blessed. So when God was speaking to Abraham here in Genesis chapter twelve, understand the gospel was already planned out. It's already planned out. The way of salvation was already set. Therefore, salvation was by grace through faith. And this salvation, this gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ was not a new way, as the Judaizers would argue. It's as old as time. Listen to this verse from Revelation 13, verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in in the book of life of, here it is, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Understand God knew from the foundation of the world what he would do. He knew that the Son of God would give his life for you and me. Would die a cruel death on the cross of Calvary, be buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rise again. Why? So we put our faith and trust in him and have life and have life eternal. God already knew this. God already knew this. We just put our faith in him. So understand something, salvation Always has, always will be by grace through faith, okay? Then notice this quickly this evening. Paul not only used Abraham as a principle, and not only did he go back to the past to bring up some preaching, right, of the Old Testament, but he also did this. I believe he used Abraham really as just a, a padlock, if you will, all right? And what I mean by that is Paul hits the nail on the head when he says this in verse number nine. Look at it with me. So then... Here it is. This is it. His conclusion, my friend. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. It's of faith. He is saying, listen, you Judaizers, you Galatians, you won't be like Abraham. Then here's how you do it. You live by faith. Again, here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 33 through 39. I'll read it all to you this time. But the Bible says this. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And what was the work of Abraham? Here it is. Faith in God. If Abraham was standing with these Pharisees in that moment in that text, you know what Abraham would do? Fall on his knees and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. But these individuals, these Pharisees were not doing that. Why? 
because they were not practicing the work, if you will, of their father Abraham. They were not believing. Rather, they were practicing the work of the devil, unbelief. That's what they were doing. And he later on will go and say that you are of your father, the devil, because he's a liar from the beginning. That's what, that's what he was saying. But Paul's trying to bring all this up in this scriptural argument. He's got some more scripture to, we'll, we'll, we'll get, ne- get to next time. Bring up the scriptural argument to try again to prove and to point that salvation, listen, it's by grace through faith in the Lord. That's it. Plus nothing, minus nothing. It's no works we could ever do or ever have done. It's all, it's all the Lord. He's done all the work that ever needs to be done. We simply trust but our faith in him. So we get saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus, and we live by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. That's how Abraham lived. That's how Paul lived. That's how he's trying to get the Galatian believers to live then. And by the way, that's how we shall live today. It's all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him the whole way. That's what it's all about. That's why he's trying to get these Galatian believers to understand. And God help us to understand that today as well. So take note of the scriptural argument. We'll dive some more into it next time, all right? And that means my time is up, okay? 